Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Why don't you guys go ahead, take your seats, get comfortable. It's great to see you all. You're all sounding incredible today and looking even better than you sound. Hey, can you believe it's Christmas soon? Like it's Christmas really, really soon. I might have watched my first Christmas film yesterday. I uh, would love to tell you it was from a two-year-old. She wasn't even in. Wasn't there. She was out, watched it by myself. Not even, uh, not even going to hide that one. But yeah, so uh, Christmas is upon us. And you know, just as we kind of draw to a close with the current season and series that we've been in in church, we've been talking for the past few weeks around a topic which is kind of really important to all of us. It's, it's been all around, you are blank. It's what we say about ourselves. And we've been inserting a word in the blank. It's what we would often say about ourselves against the backdrop of what God says about us and how often those two things don't line up. And today is no different. Today is you are chosen. You are chosen, regardless of what you may often say about yourself. And by the time we all leave church today, I would just love us all to know one thing, just one truth, just one encouragement. And if we remember this one thing when we leave church today, then I honestly think it's going to set us up super strong in life, maybe even carry us through some of life's most difficult and most turbulent and most trialsome times, this one thing. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But before I do that, let me just say this. I think undoubtedly for all of us, maybe one of the most um, formative times in our lives when we take on board the most knowledge is, is probably our school years. And um, there's a common saying that floats around the place that your school years are the best years of your life. And it wasn't quite like that for me, if I'm honest. I uh, didn't really enjoy school, didn't really like it that much. And a bunch of other people telling you what to do and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really get on with school that well. I was never really that academic. And even though I kind of, at the end of my school years, I kind of ended up doing all right. I didn't do amazing, but I did all right. It was a bit of a rocky journey along the way. And um, you see, the thing is, I went to an all-boys school. And um, even though all of the lads would break the rules and they would all push the boundaries and we'd all fly pretty close to the wire and break the rules in many of the same ways, it would often be me who would be the one who'd get caught. It would often be me who'd be the one that'd be singled out and disciplined. Like the occasion when there was a bunch of us and we were just deciding that It was going to be great fun and a really good, like, forming thing for a young man to do, to have a contest to see who could spit the furthest through the brick hole in the side of the bike sheds. So there's a whole crowd of us in there, and we're just hocking these things back, not to get too graphic on a Sunday lunch for you, but we're going through this hole. Now, let me ask you this. How could I have known that on my turn, there was going to be a teacher on the other side of the brick hole. How could I have known that? Because the whole bike sheds are made of brick. Bike sheds, wow, that's a thing of the past, isn't it? So I'm the one that gets on headmaster's detention for spitting. Even though there was a whole bunch of us in the the contest, it was me that got on headmaster's detention. And also, like the time when an older lad was picking on a lad who's in our year, 
And he was getting pretty good. He was getting, he was having the best of it, the older lad. So I decide to join in and help out this younger lad. And then I'm the one who gets put on a headmaster's detention for fighting. And I was just like, that's not right. That's so unfair. Or again, like the time in French, when I asked my French teacher what a particular phrase meant in English, only to be told that it was highly offensive and to be told that I was now on headmaster's detention for swearing. So like, you're probably sitting there now going, so I've come to church, right? And I'm now sitting here listening to a guy who spits, swears and fights. And I would say, yes. I would say, it tells me in the Bible that the Lord uses the broken things of the world. And today I'm your proof. So, so that is just me. But in the school where I went to, right, there was, there was one group of people who could stay inside the building all the way through break times. They could, they could like stay inside all the way through lunchtime, even if the weather was terrible. And they were the prefects. And I really wanted to be a prefect because I wanted all these perks, like perk me up. I was like, I was after these perks, make me a prefect. And in the last couple of years of my school, and I did manage to curb my behavior to a point where the teachers actually had my name on the list to become a prefect, which didn't mean I was a goody-goody. It just meant I could act like a goody-goody to get my perks. So I'm on this list. And just before all the prefects were all announced, I get invited into the school office and they want to have a chat with me. And they said, here's the thing. You're on the list to be a prefect, but if we make you a prefect now with everybody else who hasn't been in as much trouble as you have, we feel that's sending a bad message. So what we're going to do is delay the decision with you by a good few months because you can't be a prefect at the same time as everybody else. And I left that office knowing two things. Yes, you will be, but we've had a conscious decision about you to not make that happen for you right now. And even though I could kind of see their reasoning behind it, they'd had this choice. They had this conversation all about me based on things that I'd done in the past. And they'd made a decision not to choose me with everybody else. And even though I could understand it, it just really hurt. I was just like, so you're going to do it, but just not now. But I bet there's so many of us in this room, maybe even watching online today, who can associate with those feelings of just not being chosen for stuff. Maybe you've applied for stuff and just not been chosen. Like, did you always want to get in the sports team and you just didn't ever get chosen for it? Or were you in that lineup every time when there's two team captains and they're just going, yeah, 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 you come here, yeah, and you're like there, person number three, person number two, person number one. Oh, well, I guess we've got to have you. Are you just that person? Were you always the one who got chosen last for everything? Or maybe you didn't get chosen for the job. Maybe your CV mirrored the job application form and you were perfect. You were like a tailor-made fit for that job, but you just didn't get chosen for it. They chose someone else and like, they, don't, they weren't nowhere near as qualified as you are. I mean, you should definitely have got the job. And you prayed about it. And you were in church on Sunday. So does that not mean that God owes you the job, but you still didn't get chosen? Or like, did the person who you decide that you wanted to date, did they end up with somebody else? And you were so sure you had it right. I mean, when they looked at you and when you looked at them and there was that whole thing that you thought was going on and what you thought was going on wasn't going on and now they're with somebody else and you're like, whoa, hang on a minute. Like, God, am I supposed to go through life alone? Like, you know, I thought I had this one so right. And maybe to you today, it would appear like God's just choosing to bless other people and just not you. 
Like, are you in need today, if you're honest with yourself, of some specific answer to prayer? Like, do you have a financial need or a relational need or maybe a health need? Maybe you're sick in your physical body. And instead of seeing the answer to what you need to be answered, all you seem to see is God pouring out his blessings and answering everyone else's prayers and maybe just not yours. So why is God not choosing you or I? But there's so many things in our lives which can cause us to ask questions like, does God even see what I'm going through? Can he even see what I'm struggling with? Like, when's he gonna choose me for something? Is he even hearing my prayers when I'm talking to him? Or are they literally bouncing off the ceiling and coming right back at me? So just in the next few minutes that we've got together, I just wanna unpack and look at the answer to this one question. This one question that will unlock so much for us all. How do I know, how do we know God chooses me? How do we know that God chooses us? Because you might say, well, I know when Emma spoke like three weeks ago and she spoke about being built for purpose and designed for a purpose. And you might be like, well, yeah, I understand that. And I understand I've got a purpose, but I feel like I'm a long way from it. Like I'm just struggling to make my life work most days. But how, how, how does God choose me for my purpose? Like, will God choose me for my purpose? Is that even a thing? And you might go, if I look at my personal circumstances, it just looks so far away from being at that point now that I wonder if, like, God's even still interested in choosing to use a me. If that's you today, then let me ask you one question just to start with. Let me just ask you this. What is it that you're good at? What is it that you're good at in life? Because we're all good at something. And just the other week, I was having a conversation just at the back of this room with one of our amazing volunteers after service. And he just said something as I was preparing for this talk. He just said something that really resonated with me and just stuck with me. And I remembered it as I was actually preparing. And basically, he just said this. We were talking and he said, you know, I might not be able to sing as well as any of those guys up on the platform. I can't sing like that. But what I can do is I can build websites. So I'm gonna build the best Liverpool One Church new website that I can possibly do. And if you go online today and you type in liverpoolonechurch.com, what you're gonna see is the fruit of somebody else's talents. What you're gonna see is when someone running in their lane decides to use the skills and abilities that God's given them to glorify him, which is now the new international global front window to our church, and it is fantastic. I absolutely love conversations like that. But put it this way, God's never gonna use you or choose you for something that you either don't like or you're no good at. He's never gonna do that to you. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> you wouldn't wanna see our church Christmas production if our church board of trustees were the dancers. I'm just saying, maybe you would. Maybe you would wanna see that. I personally, I'd probably pass on that one. You wouldn't want to sit in this auditorium if we'd let all the building work be done by the powerhouse children. Probably wouldn't be a safe place to be. He's not going to use you for stuff that you either don't like or are no good at. So what I want to know today is how do we know that God chooses us? How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that in the beginning, there was nothing. There was only him. And he spoke 
and things happened and he spoke and the earth appeared and he spoke all the water into being and he spoke and opened his mouth and every, because he made everything, everything we can see and everything we can't see and every mountain and every hill and all the water and all the streams and all the rivers and the seas and the clouds and the droplets of water and the grains of sand on the beach, he made it all. He made absolutely everything we can see. And then when Jesus came to the earth and he put on flesh, and he walked around on the earth that his father in heaven had made. And he, and he was loving on people and leading people to faith in him. When he was walking around on the earth, Jesus chose to use and he partnered with people. Just like us here today. He just partnered with people. And there's a particular story that I want to look at, which I think is really going to help us to understand just a couple of things about God's choices and maybe even the reasons why he would make some of those choices. <clears throat> so at the point where we're going to jump into this story, Jesus is about 30 years old. He's just started his like public ministry as a rabbi. He's like started to get out there and preach the gospel and do some miracles. And he's, he's out there and about there. And he's grown so popular because every time he shows up, amazing things happen, that every time he shows up, he's crowded out by people. So he would often have to like get some distance between him and the crowd so he could effectively talk to everybody. And this day is no different. So uh, let's read now. So it's Luke chapter five, starting at verse one, and it's gonna be on the screen behind me. So one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, uh, the people were gathering around him and listening to the word of God. Nothing out of the ordinary there. It often happened when he was there, <clears throat> people would gather around him and they'd listen to him. But Jesus is about to make a choice, okay? Watch this, because this is funny. Jesus is about to make a choice. Watch what he does next. It's crazy. Probably illegal. I think it might be. Watch what Jesus does next. Verse two, he says, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. One of them was belonging to Simon Peter. Verse three, he got into one of the boats. Okay, you're all looking at me like that's normal. If, if, if you don't think that's crazy, like that he would just go and get into one of the boats. Try it when you leave church. If, if, like if you don't think that's weird that he would do that, try it when you leave church today. When you leave this place and you go back out onto the road, you go and find the nicest car you can find. Like don't hold back. Don't feel like it's got to be a VW or something. Nothing's wrong with a VW. I've got one, but like nothing wrong. If you're going to steal a car, pick a really, really nice car and just do what Jesus did. Just go and get in it. And then... When they come to the window and they go, what are you doing in my car? You can say, well, I saw you were parked outside Liverpool One Church and I figured you might be a Christian. Can I have the keys? I need to use it. Because that's effectively what Jesus is doing. He's just gone over and got into this boat. Belonging to Simon Peter, belongs to someone else. But have you ever stopped to think, why would Jesus pick Peter? with all the people that were there, why would Jesus pick Peter? Because when we read about Peter, I can read a lot of things as to reasons why Jesus would not choose to use Peter. I can, there's a lot of reasons why he wouldn't use him. Things like Peter was impulsive. Peter was a, 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 like a know-it-all. Peter was, uh, he was violent. You don't cut off people's ears if, if you've had a normal, stable upbringing. I mean, that's, that's not right. Peter was weak. 
We're shown this by later in his life when he's like got all this bravado that he's going to uh, be an undying servant of Jesus. I will never betray him, he says. And then at the night when Jesus is arrested, he like denies even knowing him, not just once, but three times. I heard one preacher say once that um, he thinks Jesus picked Peter because Peter was bold. Like he, he chose Peter because Peter was bold. I don't think that's it. If I'm honest, I, I, I think we've all got to remember that the Bible was written pre-Uber. The, the Bible like predates all those orange voice scooters that you see everywhere. And Jesus had a lot to do. He had to get out and he had to tell a bunch of people the word of God. He had to, he had to like go all these different places. He had to no Facebook, no Instagram, no social media, no, no, nothing like that, no, no online. And the reason why I've maybe come to believe that Jesus picked Peter was because Peter had a boat, pure and simple. He just sees a guy who's got a boat, I'll use them. So if we look at what's actually happening here, we've got Jesus the creator, who's now partnering with Peter, his creation. Let's not forget, Jesus, if he wants to, could have walked on the water. We know from reading in Matthew 14, that if a storm comes up and there's no boat, and there's no other option available, Jesus has the ability to just press pause on the laws of physics that he himself made and just walk back onto the water. He, he, he has that ability, but he didn't want to do it like that. Oh, oh if it was me, <laughs> I'd have totally done it like that. But like this was early on in his public ministry. And do you not think that if you just like moonwalk back on the water in front of a ton of people, they're really going to be paying attention. Like I would have absolutely done that just for the spectacle, but he didn't want to do it like that. He says, no, I want a boat. I want his boat. I want to use her boat. I want to use their life. I want to use their weakness to build my church. I want to use all sorts of different people from all over the world. Some who've got their own businesses, some who are unemployed, some who've gone through terrible abuse in their childhood, some who are broken, some who are anxious, I want to build my church family. Some who just feel pain, some who just feel so lost. I want to use your boat. That's what Jesus is saying. And I think it's the hardest thing sometimes for us to understand why the one who made us, the one who can walk on water, why would he choose to use our boat. And I think often in our own minds, the devil gives us reasons to use these things as excuses as to why we shouldn't offer God what we have. He says things like, and we make excuses like, but their boat's bigger than my boat. My boat's broken. My boat's dirty. My boat's all just busted up. God wouldn't want my boat. And so I went from thinking, that Jesus needed Peter's boat to thinking that Jesus didn't need Peter's boat. Peter needed Jesus' blessing on his boat. That's, that's the twist. And the very same thing happened in the area of giving in my own life. I, I talked about it just briefly a couple of weeks ago. 
about how when I first started giving financially to the church, what I understood about giving was that my giving was the thing that supported the work of the church and kept all the lights on, allowed the church to function and reach more people for Jesus. And that's what I understood. And looking back though, I was just so naive. And I I did share this briefly just a couple of weeks ago, but I thought that God needed my gift. I thought that he needed my money. But then a few years roll by and a bit of life rolls by and I grow up and I, and I learn a little bit more and I find that God didn't need my gift. He was God long before I was there. He was, he'll be God long after I'm gone. He didn't need my gift. What I needed was his blessing on my gift. And what we need is what Peter needed. We need his blessing on our boat. And let me just say this. There was two boats on the shore that day. There was two, we're told. And if Peter had said no, I'm pretty sure Jesus would have just got up, gone, no problem, and jumped in the other one, (laughs) which tells us he doesn't have to use us. He chooses to use us every single time. Let's look what happens when it says in verse three, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked him, I love that. I love that. Jesus just gets in, he sits down and he goes, you want to do this? Like he he asked him. He says, like, I can totally do this without you. I can absolutely do this on my own. But I like your boat. I do, I like your boat. Go on, could we do this? I think if that had happened in Liverpool, he'd have gone, hey, lad, give it go with your boat now. But like, this was Sea of Galilee, that would have been stupid. So, so my question to you today is this. Can God borrow the talents he's given you? Can God borrow the giftings and abilities that he's given you? Can God borrow the finance that he's given you? Can he use the blessings that he's put in your life to build his kingdom? Can he use your life to change lives for Christ one life at a time? Can he do it? We've got to remember that everything that God gave to us is on loan. We can't take any of it with us. And um, when I let God use my boat, and when you let God use your boat, it releases us to realise that it was never ours to begin with. It was always his before it was ours. He made everything and he made us. And we just need to remember the order. God made us, so we owe him everything. We just owe him our lives and the very air that's in our lungs. But let's just look at one quick example. So Peter's boat, let's just take that one as an example. So he's got this boat, it's got to be made of something. And now the one who spoke the trees into existence, the one who made the water that he would sail on, the one who made the fish that he would try to catch, says to him, can I borrow your boat. The the creator's asking him, can I borrow your boat? And did you know, it's an amazing, amazing thing when you choose to partner your life with God. It's an amazing thing when you choose to let him on your boat and you say to him, everything I have is yours. It's an amazing, a transaction happens when you do because it's a freedom to it. Because from that point on, You don't have to go fishing on your own. You don't have to do your life on your own. You get the God of all creation on your side. And when you've done all that you can do and you've strived all you can strive, 
if you have God on your side and your boats are all pulled up on the shore and you're at the end of your energy and you're at the end of your capacity and you're burned out and you're stressed and you're tired, Jesus looks at you eye to eye and goes, will you give me a push? Because no more are you on your own. No more do you have to struggle ever for the rest of your life. It's an amazing transaction that goes on. And all Peter had to do was obey and give Jesus a push. But how could he have known that when he gave Jesus a push out that day, he thought he was just loaning in the boat for an hour. What he didn't know was that he was going to spend the next three years watching blind eyes open, deaf ears see, the dead raised back to life again. How could he have known that? And how could any of us know that? But that's the point. We don't know. It's faith. It's the belief of the things that are unseen. And there's three brief points that I just want to pull out of this story today, which I think are really going to just be a reminder to all of us. We've got to remember just these three things. And if you forget everything else that's been said today, if you forget everything else that I'm going to talk about, just write down and headline these three points because it's just going to be a reminder to you of the actual key that we're looking for. Point number one, he made your boat. He made it. It came from him. You've got to notice there's a confidence that Jesus has about him when he Look, when he's looking for somewhere to be and he just sees two boats, there's a confidence about him that allows him to walk across and sit down in one of them. The same confidence that you've got when you walk into your house of an evening and you sit down on your couch and you light your fire and you put your telly on, you don't feel like you're doing the wrong thing because it's yours, it belongs to you, you own it. There's a confidence that Jesus has got about everything he does that allows him to be the way that he is. And in the same way that Peter's boat was made from the trees that Jesus spoke into existence, he made Peter, he made you, he gave you the talents that you've got, he gave you the job that you've got, he's given you the earning potential that you've got, he's brought the finance into your life that you've got, he's given you all the good things and your family and everything else and your health that you've got, he's given you so many good things. And it's not just words, he's given you all these things. Way back at the beginning of the Bible, when, when we're told that God makes us and God fashioned us, and it says one more thing. It says we are made in the image of God. You and I are made in the image of God. And if you don't choose someone, and if you don't like someone, the very last thing you're going to do if you're an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-encompassing God, is you're going to make that thing look like you. That's going to be the last thing that you're going to do. You're going to make it look like something that you actually don't like and don't choose. You're going to make it look like something else. But you and I are made in the image of God. He chose to make you in his image. So why would we then want to cut out the gift giver? Why would we, why would we in all seriousness, want to cut out the giver of so much good to our lives. He's given us everything that, we, that, that is good. He's given us everything that we have. He's given us our whole life and the air in our lungs. So why would we not want to use everything we are, our time, our talent, and our treasure, just to, just to serve him? So how are we going to remember that? How are we going to remember that he made your boat? Well, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> one of the things in my life is I remember what I talk about most often. I, I, when I talk about something all the time, I seem to remember it. 
because otherwise I seem to forget it. So all I'm saying is, the more often you talk about the fact that God gave you your boat, the more that you talk about the, how good God is to you and how he's given you your talents and gifts and abilities, you're more likely to remember those things. So when we pray in the morning and at night, and maybe throughout the day, just be constantly thanking God for the good things that he's given you. Thank him for your boat. Thank him for your talents. Thank him for all the good that he's brought into your lives. And you will not forget if every day, a couple of times a day, you're just going, God, thank you so much for all the good things that you've given me. God, thank you so much for all the blessings that you've showered on me, for, the, for my health. For, you, you fill in the blanks. But if we're talking about it all the time, we aren't gonna forget that God gives us good things and we aren't gonna forget that he made our boat. Number Point number two, he wants to use your boat. So he made it and he wants to use it. Jesus didn't have to use Peter's boat that day. He didn't have to use any boat that day. He could have done the whole thing by himself, but he chose to and he wanted to use people. He just wanted to use people. And you have to know that today, Jesus wants to use you. He wants to use you to do something that only you can do. He's tailor-made you to fit the tailor-made hole in his kingdom. And if someone one day has told you that you were here by mistake, then that person's a liar because God saw you before you were ever in existence and he made you for such a time as this to be alive today, to be healthy today, to be in church today, to hear this message today and to maybe hear for the first time and respond to the call of God on your life, maybe for the first time today. So he chooses you, he chooses me, he chooses us. And you might go, yeah, but I'd love to use my gifts and my abilities to serve God and I'd love to do all those things. But, you know, the thing is, Dave, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know my life. Like, I am going through stuff. I have got things going on. There's no way God would want to use me. Well, to you, I would say this. If you can show me one person in the Bible who God used who wasn't going through stuff, then I'll take that back. Because in my estimation, every single time you read through the Bible, you've only got to look at some of the most biggest names that you'll find in the Bible and see the scale of some of their failures and the scale of some of their weaknesses to understand that if God's willing to use those people, he is definitely willing to use every single one of us here and every single one of you watching at home online like Moses. Moses begged God on his knees, begged God not to use him. God's like, nope, I choose you. Like Paul, he terrorised the church, like went door to door to kill all the Christians and stop the work of the church. And then God used him in such a major way to actually do the exact opposite and build the church. <laughs> like David, a liar, a thief, an adulterer and a murderer. If God's going to use a David, then we have to believe that he's going to use us. Like these are, these are some seriously bad crimes. You're going to go down for a long time for some of these things. And let's not forget Peter. Jesus used Peter's boat, one of, but then after that, he went on to become one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his like inner circle, one of his boys. He was like right in there. But then later on in life, Peter goes on to deny Jesus three times on the night Jesus was arrested, <clears throat> which tells me two key things about Jesus. Not only does he use you in spite of your past failures, 
but he also uses you in spite of all your future failures as well. And it has to be true because at the point, if you just hear me out, at the point when Jesus chose to use Peter and his boat, they'd only just met. But Jesus, because he knows everything, would have known that one day this guy was going to betray him on the night that he was arrested to be crucified because Jesus is all-knowing. Did it affect Jesus' choice? No. Does it affect his choice today here with you? No. If he chooses you today, at some point through your life, you will probably, because we're all human, you'll probably fail him in some way. Does it affect his choice? No. Does, where, does the way you walked in here today, feeling like you're a bit busted and a bit broken with all this stuff that you'd really rather no one ever found out about, does that bother him? No. He still wants to use you. You know, years ago when I came to this church, um, in fact, not this church, it was actually the previous church, but years ago, it was largely down to the fact of this one guy who... Um, who basically uh, just kept on turning up at my door in his car to the point where he was like starting to ruin some pretty good nights out for me. And uh, he would like ring me on the Saturday night and go, oh, hey, bro, I'm just going to be outside your house at like, you know, half nine in the morning, if that's okay, just going to come bring you to church. I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Thanks for that. It's another one in the bin. Another night, another night out that I can't stay out to like 6am, but you know, yeah, whatever. So he just like started to ruin my life by picking me up early in the morning and uh, taking me to church. But I think that he knew this. I think he knew that God could use him to make a difference in someone else's life if he was willing to just start up his car, go to someone's house, pick them up and bring them to church, even if they really didn't want to go. And I made it pretty plain that I didn't want to go, but he was persistent. Thank God he was persistent. Like that's all I'll say. And I don't know what's going on with you today. And I don't know what stuff you've got going on or what things you're going through or where life finds you right now. But what you're finding hard to move or maybe what you're finding hard to move forward from today, where the point where you find yourself. But my question to you is, wherever you are and whoever you are, what can you do today? What like, could you start really super small today? What is it that is in your hand that you can do? Can you encourage someone else who's going through a hard time? Can you pick someone up and bring them to church? Can you share a link to online church with someone who you just think might tune in and might need it? Can you just go to someone and give them a kind word if you see that they're feeling lonely or they're feeling sad? Just go put an arm around someone. No, don't do that. Two meters, go and high five someone in the air or fist bump them or do that ankle thing. But just encourage someone somehow in your life. Because I guarantee you, God's always going to be more attracted to and more magnetic to and more willing to use someone who's willing to do something rather than someone who's willing to do nothing. Bottom line, he wants to use your boat. So he made your boat. He wants to use your boat. And the third and final point today, number three, it's your choice. It's your choice. Jesus won't force you. He'll never force anyone to do anything. So it's your choice. Remember there was two boats on the shore and I'm pretty sure if Peter said no, he'd have got up and he just used the other one. So Peter had to make a choice. Peter had to say, 
yes, you can use my boat. And you also have to make a choice today as to what you're going to do with what you've heard. You see, because if I paraphrase and just very quickly talk us through the rest of Luke chapter five, what we're going to see is Jesus going to Peter. I know you fished all night and I get it and you've caught nothing, but just go out again and just drop your nets one more time. And Peter's like, we have been out all night. We have done it all night, but because you say so, I'll give it a go. So he jumps in his boat, gets out of the water, drops the net. He catches that many fish. He signals back to the shore. They send out a second boat. They drop their nets. They get that full of fish. They're like struggling. There's only two boats and two nets. All the nets start breaking. Then they've got to haul all these broken nets and broken boats and knackered fishermen all back in from the water onto the shore. And they get back. Now, what you can't forget is that Peter is a fisherman. It's his job to catch fish. Like, that's, that's, how he makes his, that's how he makes his money. What's happened here is Jesus has just dropped a lottery win on him. He's just gone, have all the fish. Have all of them. Break your nets on the fish. So <laughs> at, the, at the time, like if that's happened to me in my life and Jesus has just dropped all this blessing onto your life, you've got a choice to make. Like, do you follow the guy who did it or do you go to the market? Do you just go, <laughs> nice one, salmon, who wants some salmon? You're like, you're like someone want to buy some fish because I'm inundated with fish. I've got all this fish everywhere. But like, you've got a choice to make and we've only got to read what's Peter's choice in verse 11, which tells us the key to what you and I need to realise about when Jesus chooses you. Jesus says to him, follow me. Jesus says, choose me. Verse 11, so they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. They left everything. They left the boats, they left the hardware, they left the company car, they left the bonuses, they left the fish, they left everything and followed him. Peter remembered that Jesus made his boat. Peter remembered and let Jesus use his boat. And then what Peter saw was Jesus' blessing on his boat. You know, at the point when Peter had the most increase, at the point when Jesus had given him the most in the natural, that would have been the most difficult choice that Peter ever had to make. That would have been at the point when it would have been so crucial that he made the right decision. And at that point, he chose Jesus. He could have chosen to follow the money, but he chose to leave it all and follow Jesus. Am I saying that like, we should all walk out of here and like go into work tomorrow morning and resign? No, like this crazy guy in church said this thing, right? So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna like, and then I'm gonna choose Jesus and it's all gonna be fine. No, I'm not saying that at all. All I am saying is that at some stage in your life, when you choose to give God your boat and give God your talent and give him your gifting and your ability, there's gonna come a choice. And sometimes the choice is harder than others. You may have to cut some people out of your life. You may have to change what your days look like. You may have to change the pattern of your life ever so slightly, if God's going to use you in the bullseye of your blessing and the bullseye of your calling and the bullseye of your purpose, you might have to make some difficult choices and it is only your choice. So today, 
after everything that we've heard about how God time and time again chooses us even though he doesn't have to choose us, even though we are all a bit broken, even though you and me, we're all the same. We're just trying to find our way through life. No one's got it all sewn up or all together. But after everything we've heard about us being chosen by God, now it's us that have to do the choosing. We have to make the choice today. Can you imagine, like just for a second, can you imagine what this room would look like if we all chose to allow God to use our gifting, our talent, our ability to build his church, we wouldn't just change an area in Liverpool. We wouldn't just change a city. We'd change a nation. Like if we all started running in the bullseye of God's blessing for our life, like that would be something else. It really would be. And all I can say is that from someone who made that choice a long time ago, it's the best decision and the best choice you could ever, ever make because you will never, ever be walking through life alone again. So to wrap up, does God choose you? Yes. Every single time, three times on a Sunday, he chooses you. He made you. He wants to use you. But it's your choice. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.